Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yak Gadgets. For all your fine quality kayak fishing accessories, go to yakgadget.com. Pelican cases, cooler, and lighter. Go to pelican.com. And the 153 Bait Company. For all your hunting soft bait needs, go to the 153angler.com. Now let's join our special guest around the campfire. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of Feather and Fur. I'm your host, Brad Robos. Today we're going to talk preseason or early season deer hunting with the paddle and fin creator himself, Mr. Brian Schiller. So we're just going to get him on right away. <laughs> it's Mr. <laughs> it's the OG himself, Brian Schiller. What's up, brother? What's going on, man? Not a whole lot yourself. Oh, I just got back from grouse camp. Yeah, you, it looked like uh, you did more woodcock hunting than grouse hunting. Ah, uh, we did an equal amount of both. Woodcock are far easier to hit and take pictures with after the fact. Then little <laughs> grouse are fast. <laughs> no, it was cool, man. I uh, I know I talked to you briefly when you were up there, and then I saw you posted some pictures after you got back and stuff, and it was cool to see you guys got some birds. Yeah, we did find some birds. Um weather was not in our favor favor at all it was so warm i mean it was pushing mid 70s during the day so you had a couple hours in the morning and the evening to run the dog because after even after i don't know 45 minutes of them on them on the ground they were panting so hard already that they weren't even using their noses anymore and they'd get a whiff of scent and they try to get more and they'd break and push birds and we had a lot of we had a lot of wild flushes because of that but it's all yeah. that's all October. Like October is such a fickle month. I mean, last year for Grouse Camp, we were two weeks later, and I dealt with inches of snow every single day. And I was building snowmen, going through ten pounds of propane in a tank a day in the camper. This right. year, we had tornado sirens going off, and we were using the air conditioning. <laughs> it's always got to be something, right? No, I totally get it, man. We we had the same, like, well, it was warmer down here, obviously. You were way up north, but, you know, just trying to deer hunt, it was uh, it was pretty brutal. Um, you know, you'd get maybe, like, two hours in the morning and two hours in the evening. Other than that, it was pretty pointless to be in a tree, so. Yeah, I mean, deer hunting with this warm has got its own set of challenges. Not only do you have to... <laughs> 
not only do you have the bugs to deal with, which can just be atrocious at times, you also have you also have the after the shot where yeah. it's so hot out, you got to get to that deer as fast as you can. But with bow hunting, you want to give it time to sit so you don't push it, so you can recover it. it. It's a whole set of challenges that you normally don't face come late October when the weather is cooler. Yeah, I don't even think I told you the whole scenario that went down this past week when I shot that doe. No, I haven't heard the story yet. Because because that that that's a learning experience in itself, and um, you know, obviously, I've been I didn't start hunting in general till like my late twenties. I'll be forty in February, so you know, that's um, I had a really good mentor, and I just talked about this with Josh on a podcast that'll be coming up Thursday. We were talking kayak hunting specifically. Um, but, uh, you know, Friday evening, got out of work a little early, went to my public land spot. Like I'm, I'm hunting all public land and, um, it's an area I kind of scouted. It's, uh, that spot down the Creek from our little wood duck hole. Yeah. And, um, so I walked in, I got set up, uh, put the tree stand up, climbing sticks, all that. And, um. You know, I figured if anything, you know, I can see if anything's moving in there, whatever. Um, you know, I briefly walked in there, but I didn't want to nasty up the woods. So anyways, uh, it was like 6.15, 6.10, had a doe come out from the creek. And I'm in a little wooded section between the creek and a cornfield. And um, like lost her behind some trees i was in a really tall pine tree um that had no branches on it except for up at the tippy top you know those typical wisconsin tall pines sure and uh i lost her behind some trees and then all of a sudden these two squirrels kept like running back and forth cackling and i'm like oh well there goes my opportunity you know (laughs) and then all of a sudden she's beelining down a trail like right at me and i'm like oh man like I had my bow in my lap, but, um, there was no way I could draw back. I mean, she would have seen me and, and she was coming directly right at me. Sure. She walks to the base of my tree. I had a climbing stick on the ground. She's sniffing that she's sniffing the climbing sticks on the tree. And like, all I can see is her butt out of the corner of my right eye. And I'm like, dude, come on, please don't blow out of here. (laughs) and she kind of like hopped two steps back and then started feeding on leaves off of trees and stuff continuing down the trail so i was able to stand up um and i'm shooting behind me now and i couldn't go on the left side of the tree so i had like had my safety harness on obviously super important part of being in a tree stand and I'm like hanging around the right side of this tree, drawn back. And like, I can't get my head back far enough to like have a nice line of sight down my peep sight through my sight. And I'm like, dude, come on, come on. Like, she's not going to, and she stayed in this opening for like, you know, this probably went on for like two minutes. Like, I'm trying to get like reach around, which. In deer hunting, we all know two minutes is a really long time. Feels like an eternity. So finally, I get lined up, and uh, like 
she is facing away from me slightly quartered and uh i pretty much aim for the center of the body because i figured you know like i said she's facing away that arrow is going to penetrate up through the center of her body and uh should put you know a double lung shot on her or a single lung into the heart so i let the arrow fly and i never saw where it hit the deer um because the, the second it hit her she took off running up this hill and i'm like man i either totally missed her or i totally drilled her sure and i was pretty sure i hit her because you know there was that thwack right you know, when an arrow hits it so after after the recovery like i ended up going through like five ribs because she was like facing that far away okay uh, um but I called Jay right away because he was coming up to my place to hunt for the weekend. And I'm like, dude, I don't know, man. Like, I just don't know. I know I was, you know, where I aimed should have been good. This and that. So I'm like, I'm going to climb down, take my climbing sticks, my tree stand down. I'm going to look for my arrow. If I don't see it, because I had to walk right past where I shot her um, to get out of the woods. So I'm like, I'm just going to, you know, pack up my stuff. I'll go to my house. I'll meet you there. And then, you know, we'll come back up here and track this deer. So that's what I did. Like I got down, didn't see my arrow. So I'm like, it's got to be stuck in her. Um, you know, cause that was the thing too, after the shot, like I didn't see it laying there, but I am like, I don't know why is dumbest thing ever. I bought arrows with like camouflage shafts on them. <laughs> <laughs> like you know and my fletchings are red and one white and i'm like this sure is dumb normally i do like two orange one white so that way it at least sticks out you know right i mean you get a lot of red leaves on the ground this time of year exactly exactly and especially in that dense set of woods that i was in so i i go get jay we come back uh we walk back to the point of impact and we're looking around looking around in like not seeing any blood and then finally jay finds a drop and i'm like okay like it's bright red uh looked like there was a couple bubbles in it okay and um you know we start picking up this small trail that it was just like little droplets and it was like you know we've all been there i've shot a deer in the shoulder before and that's like what it kind of looked like and i'm like i don't know man like there's no way i shot her in the shoulder unless like i totally jerked that shot so like we're following it and she ran up the hill like i said well typically deer after you shoot them they want to run downhill and towards water if there's water close by right so i mentioned that to jay several times and I'm like, this just doesn't make sense. She ran up the hill. She skirted the edge of the cornfield and out on the edge of the cornfield where she dipped back into the woods. Find my arrow. I got probably a good 10, 12 inches of penetration. Okay. And I'm like, dude, this has got to be a dead deer. Bubbles in the blood again. Like, sure. Like everything screamed dead deer. So then she ran down into a ditch on this little knob that sticks out into the cornfield and then ran back uphill. And I'm like, dude, like, what the hell? This is like so weird, you know, like I've seen it happen. Don't get me wrong. But when she ran uphill, there was more blood. 
than when she was running downhill. Well, that to me said, well, I probably hit her high. All that blood that's filling yep. up in her cavities running backwards. And then it goes back to droplets. And I'm like, dude, what the hell? Like, <laughs> And we're like circling. And, and mind you, it's like 11 o'clock, 1030 at night, I think, at this point. And we're in pitch black woods, you know, um, there was cloud cover that night. So there wasn't a bunch of moonlight and like we're circling, circling. And I'm like, you know what, dude, like, I don't know. She, I don't want to be pushing her. I don't want to lose this deer. Like, let's, let's just back out. When in doubt, back out. Biggest, right. biggest thing. Like I learned I'm the first deer I shot and I can tell that story later, but you know, we go back to the truck and we're driving back to my place. And I told Jay, I said, look, we'll go hunt for like an hour and a half in the morning. It's supposed to be cool overnight. Like it was supposed to get below 60. Sure. Um, so I'm like, we'll go hunt for like an hour and a half. Once the sun comes up, we'll, we'll head back here. And sure enough, dude, we walk into the woods, JC's blood right away, which wasn't too far from where we had lost blood, maybe 20 yards 30 okay. yards um and it was right on the main trail that we walked across a couple of times and it was like all right blood here blood here like all of a sudden you know the red sea started sure and sure enough she was right there heading downhill towards the creek laid up next to some marsh grass and a tree and we walked past her like two or three times that night but we were looking towards the cornfield side not the creek side because that's the way the blood was running so sure it was that whole like uh you know roller coaster of emotions you know like all night like you know i just botched up this deer like right. worst feeling like, in the world dude you know am i gonna i do i know that feeling am i gonna find it tomorrow morning yeah yeah and, like losing a deer like losing any animal is hard Losing, sure. a deer, losing a deer is the hardest for me. It really is. And I don't know if it's just because of the size of the animal or what it is, but like if I lose a deer, like that's, that's, that's super rough on me for weeks. Yeah. Yeah, dude. We've talked about that before. I've only had that happen to me once and it was a bad shot on my part. It was right when I had started hunting and we were hunting out of a ground blind. I had to shoot from my knees which I had never really done before. And I shot a buck, a really nice buck right in the shoulder. Sure. And we knew it was a bad shot and we tracked it next morning, came back, tried tracking it, tracking it and like nothing. And that was the thing. Like the arrow got maybe three, three inches of penetration. So, you know, I gave a sore shoulder, but like still felt horrible about it. And, um, you know, it was what it was, but, you know, it's a lesson. Like, you can't give up on that animal. Like, you know, I know Jay Jay's new to hunting. You know, he gets frustrated super easy, and this is no knock against Jay or at all. But he had an issue. He shot two deer opening day and had a rough time tracking and, like, was ready to give up. Same instance. He had walked past that deer two or three times in some tall grass and never knew it was there. And you know, he got some help and, you know, they found it. And like, that's, that's, you know, basically what I did. I went and got Jay for some help uh, because, 
he was following the blood trail a lot better than I was. Like I was just moving way too fast. Like we'd find a drip of blood and I'm like walking like this deer's got to be dead right here. And then sure, you know, losing the trail, especially in dark dude, tracking it dark with like minuscule blood like that is so after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers. If we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that mint mobile wireless plans are, $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So rough, but... Agreed. There are some tricks. To, I mean, there for like the new hunter, there are some tips you can use. Like, I keep a roll of camping toilet paper, like the mm -hmm. bio, super biodegradable stuff, and I'll hang a little piece on a branch. Yep. Um, so that way there, especially cause that reflects really well with like headlamps or spot lamps. I keep a spot lamp in my truck too. A lot sure. of people don't think about that. It's way easier to pick up blood with a handheld spot lamp because they're so bright. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing too. I had a Pelican led flashlight with me and, uh, which is super bright and it was almost too bright, I think. Sure. To where you couldn't really see it much, but I was also like, you know, we could, talk about that too because we were talking about early season and scouting and stuff but um i use on x for a lot of my scouting and finding public land and things like that and they have a feature on there called tracker so you sure. hit start and it tracks you know so i was obviously using that and then you know like friday night when we decided to back out i dropped a pin on the last spot that we had blood so that way we could walk right back to it. And that's what we were doing um, when we actually ran into blood after that would have been after that spot. So sure. And um, another, like another thing to touch base on real quick is like how you said you were moving too fast. Like one yeah. thing you have to be careful of when you're moving too fast that I found from an experienced hunters is a lot of times they'll step on the blood which might be yeah. on top of leaves or on top mm -hmm. or move grass or move a branch. And now you no longer can find that blood because the leaves have been kicked around and it's not on yep. top of it's underneath now. So you got to yeah. make sure like for like the new hunters, you got to make sure you're moving slow enough and trying not to disturb as much area as possible. Cause if you walk past that blood and now you try to circle back and you've kicked leaves on top of it, or you've kicked the leaves that have the blood on it, you're actually hindering yourself yeah. more than you're helping yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, that was the one thing like I was trying to walk to the side of like what we thought was the trail and and that's super huge. And, you know, one thing too, like, you know, I was using that tracking app. I've used toilet paper in the past, but at the same time, like if we would hit a spot and then it would kind of go dry a little bit, like I would find a stick and stick it in the ground right next to that spot. So that way we could kind of look back to where that yep. last spot was, you know if you got to grab something in the woods that, you know, uh, to, to, to kind of mark that trail, like definitely do that. Like, like 
everybody always says shooting the deer is the easy part. It's the recovery. That's the hard part. That's when the work begins, you know, agreed, whether it's, uh, tracking it and finding it, you know, field dressing it, things like that. That's when the serious work begins, you know, so that's just one whole other aspect to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like I mentioned before, so the first deer I ever shot, it was the first sit I ever had. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my buddy that, that was my mentor, you know, he was sitting in the woods about 150 yards away. Uh, we couldn't see each other, but you know, I had four does come in. I shot at the one, uh, my buddy could hear him crash through the woods. So he came walking over, uh, after a little bit and he's like, did you shoot one? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, where? And I was like, straight behind me. And he's like, where'd you hit it? And I'm like, in the center of the body and he's like that's real specific you know <laughs> so uh we went over and um started tracking we ended up finding my arrow like the blood was dark red which like more than likely said liver uh when we found my arrow there was some uh some intestinal stuff on it so i had gut shot that deer sure and uh we had tracked it to the next set of timber and he's like look we can keep going this is your you know uh decision but what i'm going to tell you is when in doubt back out and if you got shot that deer it's going to take some time for it to expire right so what do you want to do and i was like well what would you do and he's like if it was me I would back out and we'll come back here in the morning. So that's what we did. And I'm glad he kind of taught me that lesson, you know, like I've had scenarios like that where like, I thought I placed a bad shot and I backed out and, you know, didn't push that animal. And I, I kind of did the same thing with Jay when uh, he shot his first deer and he's like, no man, like, you know, you're excited as a new hunter to harvest an animal and he you know he's like no 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 we'll find it i know i hit her good and this and that and you know the blood we were finding was questionable and sure enough we ended up jumping her twice right you know so you know it's one of those things man you're be it's better like the work is going to be a lot less if you play it safer when you have a marginal shot you know yep so and it's going to happen deer are going to duck Deer are gonna take that step when you go to release, like it happens. Um, there's, that, there's that small twig there you didn't notice before, and it slightly it, deflects your arrow. Exactly, exactly. So you gotta play it safe, man. You gotta play it safe. So, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll start you guys out with a lesson, I guess. On, <laughs> you know what not to do. But uh, ended up recovering the deer. All the meat was good. Got her cleaned out she's at the processor and i should have her back this weekend actually perfect fresh meat in the freezer just in time for the rest of the season yeah buddy perfect for them extra camping trips you're going to take <laughs> while you're still out hunting exactly exactly we'll be cooking back straps in a hotel parking lot so beautiful <laughs> so you mentioned you're a fan of onyx like what parts of onyx do you use like when you're sitting at home and you find a new public area like, I know you're probably using like the aerial photography part of it. And like, what are you like, 
obviously it takes boots on the ground, but what are you looking for first before you jump into an area to try to see what you see for deer sign? Man, that's a loaded question. Um, (laughs) It's not just when I'm sitting at home, like right as the intro was playing for this podcast, I was looking at Onyx, like I'm always looking at it. And, you know, like the biggest thing is like, you want to shoot a deer, you got to think like a deer, right? Same thing with catching fish. You want to catch fish, you got to think like a fish, you know? Um, So typically what I'm doing is I'm scrolling through maps uh, you know, using satellite with the topo feature on it. So it's kind of giving you an idea of the terrain you're getting into. Like there's some spots that we hunt in Western Illinois um, on the Mississippi river. If you've ever been on the Mississippi or near the Mississippi, like it gets pretty hilly, ridgy, you know, stuff like that. So um, some of those features I'm looking for, um, you know, mainly number one, is finding the public land because if you pay for the subscription to the app, you know, you can see um, where private land is, who owns the private land, where all the public land is. Um, You could typically see um, on those satellite images where like parking areas are, where you can get in and out of there. Um, Like for instance, this piece that I just shot that doe on, it's off a Creek. So, um, we did some scouting there with boots on the ground on Sunday, um, because there's a few different pieces along that stretch. And I'm looking at accessing a chunk of that from the Creek out of the kayak. Sure. Um, so, you know, I'm looking for things like that. Like you and I have had conversations when it comes to, you know, Wisconsin rifle season, there's a couple marshes that have a ton of public land where, You know, I can come in from that. Um, I'm looking for areas that I think like deer would be bedded up in. Uh, Where's the food source nearby? Uh, What would be like the most um, or what would be the path of least resistance for some of these deer to travel? And granted, you're not going to get all that from looking at Onyx, but um, you can get a pretty decent idea if you know what you're looking at. You know, as far as like CRP, um, does it look like it's heavy timber? Um, you know, do these look like oak trees or is it pine trees or, you know, what is it? Right. Um, you know, some of the maps aren't like, you know, the satellite images weren't taken yesterday. So where it may show corn on a satellite image was probably soybeans this year, you know, things like that. Yep. So you still got to go out and kind of do that scouting and that homework. Um, you know, most people know that in the upper mist Midwest, once those soybeans kind of turn brown, um, the deer will move to the corn, you know, um, they will still hit the brown beans. Um, me and Jay saw five, five deer in a field the other night all munching on you know brown dried up soy beans um but typically those deer will move to the corn but still you know it's a food source um so you kind of want to figure out you know where do you think these deer are bedding up where are they going to eat where are they getting their water and try to put yourself in the middle of all that um and then you know, drive out, look at that area, see if it looks like there's deer traffic going through there and then come up with a game 
game plan from there. And that's, I mean, that's key too, is getting, getting those boots on the ground beforehand. Cause not only are you able to like, look at for deer sign, which is obvious, right? You want to try to set yourself on, on one of the trails, one of their walking paths between that bedding area and the watering area, the bedding area and food and all of that. But it also allows you to take a look at the terrain to see what are good trees, what aren't good trees. Cause you don't yeah. want to get out there in the morning and just be like, huh, where's a good, where's a good shooting lane? Where's a good spot to start <laughs> up? Yeah. See, and and I've done that, right? Like even still with doing the homework, because you can see on a satellite map, all right, there's a bunch of timber in there. There should be a good tree to hang up in. Um, but I've walked in, like usually if I haven't been to that spot yet um, and I'm going to hang a stand, I'm going to go for an afternoon evening sit. So that sure. way I can see in the daylight instead of flashing a light around the woods early in the morning trying to figure that out. Um, you know, like that spot I went to, like I had an idea cause I had walked in there a little bit and kind of scoped it out and I kind of had an idea where I wanted to sit and certain wind conditions and things like that. But, um, when I don't have that idea, a lot of times I'll just go sit on the ground All right. Know? or, or you have areas that, that whole deer where there's no good trees to put a tree stand in, you know what I mean? Or you don't have that option. Like, um, where I shot my big public land buck last year, I was huddled up next to a bush in the middle of a CRP field, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but, um, there was a thicket of small trees and they were just shredded up from rubs. There was a couple scrapes over there. Like everything told me, there's a buck running around here, right? Like right, those right. common things you look for. And when I found that I like got out of work, I went to this piece of public land that was close to my house. There was people parked in the parking lot and I didn't want to be that guy that walked through some guy's area, like the last hour of light, you know what I mean? Um, yep. So I kind of just like skirted the edge of the property and, you know, from previous experiences, I saw this like thicket of small trees and, you know, uh, the area I used to hunt, we had similar thing. They'd always be shredded up. So I walked over there, saw they were shredded up. I went and stood behind a pine tree that night playing the wind and threw a couple buck grunts out there because it was the middle of the rut. And sure enough, dude, this giant 10 pointer walked in. I needed him to take two more steps. And, you know, he never took those two steps and just kind of walked away. Right. Never got a shot at him. So I went back there the very next day. And because the wind changed, I had to move to a different area um, where I would still have good view and good shooting into this this area where obviously the bucks were visiting and I just hunkered up on my knees, dude. And, and sat on my butt next to this like little tree and little bush. Like anybody that knows me, I'm six, four, like 250 pounds. Like I'm not easy to hide next to a little tree in a bush. You know what I mean? (laughs) But because I played the wind right. And I was, you know, wearing my camo stayed hunkered to the ground. Um, did the same thing, got set up, 
sat there for a little bit, let things calm down. Blind called through through a couple buck runs out there, and sure enough, the deer I shot came in, but then he ran into that thicket. There was a little bit more of a breeze that night. I'm like, man, and I gave it like 20, 30 minutes, threw the grunt out there again. Sure enough, he pops out, walks out, perfect broadside broadside shot at 30 yards and just drilled them, you know? So, I mean, you got to adapt to to your scenarios. Like you hear a lot of guys talking about shooting swamp bucks. Well, there's usually not a bunch of trees in the middle of swamps, you know what I mean? Right, right. Um, but if you know where those deer are moving, like you can set up on them. And, you know, I kind of learned some of that from watching the hunting public guys on YouTube. Like those guys do a ton of ground hunting during the rut. Because if you're not seeing deer, you want to keep moving. You don't necessarily want to stay in the same spot. I mean, depending on the situation, like it, there's always going to be a bunch of factors that play into your decision on that. But, you know, during the rut, deer are up and moving. Those bucks are pushing does around. Those bucks are out with their little pink thingy out looking for love. You know what I mean? Right, right. So they're constantly on the move. Well, if you're staying in one spot, you might not be in the area they're moving. So you want to keep, you know, progressing and moving with them and, and get in the right scenario, the right setup, the right spot um, where you're going to have the best opportunity to, uh, you know, be able to draw back and take a shot for sure. So, I mean, that makes, that makes sense. I mean, there's something to be said about staying mobile. I mean, you put a tree stand up, you're committing yourself to an area and there's a lot of times that's a great choice, but like yeah. you're saying, there are times where, a running gun spot and stalk type tech, yeah. it might be a better option. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like early season right now, better off pretty much just sitting in one spot. Like the deer are going to be pretty much in a pattern where they're moving from bedding to food to, to a water source. So if you, like I said before, if you can get in the middle of that um, and, and have them cross your path, you're better off just sitting in a stand, you know, not making a bunch of noise. However, you know, during the rut, when those deer are so active and in in they're moving, like you can use that to the, your advantage. Like eating better is easy with Factors delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. Including Calorie Smart Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's Waypoint Pod 50 at factormeals.com slash Waypoint Pod 50 to get 50% off. You know, moving through the woods as you're stepping and crunching leaves, throw some grunt calls out, kick some leaves around like you're a deer scraping leaves. Right. That tactic works, man. Like, and you can set up behind a tree. It's almost like turkey hunting, right? You know, like I know a lot of guys will go and sit still, but, um, you know, it, you can set up behind a tree, get set up. So if you think that, you know, the deer is going to come from your right, 
you know, position yourself so you're not sticking so far out away from that tree or right on the front side of that tree. You want to be on the back side. So you, all you can do is you can draw back whenever you want. Deer's not going to see you. And then just kind of lean around that tree to get your shot uh, placement set up. So, sure. I mean, there's a lot of cool things you can do, you know, during the rut in a run and gun scenario. No, I mean, and like you said, you have to adapt to your different environments. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's the same thing in winter, right? Like what a deer's food source is now may not necessarily be the same thing come winter time. And when snow's on the ground and food's hard to find. So now you're looking for browse and CRP fields. Um, right. You may be looking for some standing corn that didn't get cut. Um, you know, turnip and beets. Like if if a guy's planting food plots, like turnips and beets are like two um, highly sought out food groups or food types that deer will look for in the winter time because that ground freezes. It shoots the sugar from the beets up to the to the leaves above the ground, and they love that stuff because it gives them energy. Right. You know, so like you kind of like going back to what I said at the beginning, you know, you kind of got to think like a deer to shoot a deer and, and put yourself in those scenarios. Like I'm just me. I tried so hard to shoot a deer with a rifle last year. I've shot so many deer with like bows <laughs> and, and part of it was like a, a challenge to myself because you know, as much as I joke around about it, I'm always like gun hunters, man. Anybody can shoot a deer from a hundred yards away. Well, I learned that lesson the hard way, <laughs> but, um, you, you know, get yourself a nice Oak tree though. I, I did dude just smoked it dead center, dead center. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's the thing. Like, I think in, in that scenario, like, you know, I've, I talked to you a ton last winter, I was trying to fill one of those tags and like, I just think I wasn't on the right food sources and I wasn't, you know, on the right path between bedding and, and, and food and water and stuff like that. Like I was in a decent area, um, that you're familiar with, but like, right. you know, I wasn't in the heart of that. And, um, you know, that's going to be the difference between, you know, filling a tag and, you know, eating tag soup. So, right. But yeah, I mean, the key is to position yourself where, where the deer want to be. Right. And that's yeah. not, it's, it's very easy to say it can be extremely hard to do. Yeah. Well, and you gotta do, you gotta do your due diligence, right? Like I talked about this with Josh, man, like hunting is a lot like fishing. You're not showing up to a tournament and not pre-fishing for it. Or if, if you do, show up and not pre-fish you had a bunch of work like slipped through facebook groups looked at you know uh maps uh looked for structure looked at satellite images things like that like you're doing the same exact thing for deer hunting um you know to to make those trips out there successful like you know you and i have had that conversation hunting season is so short like throughout the year like we can fish all year round but hunting season is basically three, three and a half months, right? Right. Duck season's two months. Deer season, you know, for bow or archery up here goes for three and a half months. Rifle season's what, 10 days? Like, and, you know, there's a few like doe hunts and stuff like right. that. But, right. 
you know, you only get those three months out of the year to be able to do this. And, you know, that's the thing too, like I always talk about, right? Like, you know, it's, it's not about killing the animal or just killing, so to speak, you know, like a lot of people from outside the hunting world look as hunters is just a bunch of killers. They just want to go out there and sling, sling lead and arrows around, you know? Um, you know, it's more than that to me, dude. Like I was, uh, telling Josh, like, um, I love watching getting in the tree stand an hour before, uh, sunrise and watching the woods come alive or watching them go to sleep and other animals come out, you know, the nocturnal animals come out, you know, as you're watching the sunset, you know, like when we're fishing, like normally you're fishing with buddies, like, you know, having a good time, like you're sitting in a deer stand by yourself. Like I kind of like gather my thoughts, regroup, you know, question my life decisions, you know, (laughs) things like that. But, you know, on the flip side of that too, like, you know, you and I think we're talking about it, or maybe I was talking about it with the Punisher waterfall guys, like duck hunting is kind of social. Like, you know, you don't, you don't have to be super quiet and like, yo, bro, there might be a duck over there. You can be like, ducks coming in, ducks coming in, get ready, you know, or, right, right. you know, we're shooting the breeze or, you know, uh, I was making each other up. Yeah. I I was, I was making a, a letter Kenny reference. I was like, you know, I could smoke a dart as we're sitting there, uh, duck hunting, you know, um, whereas like deer hunting, you know, you're, you're definitely not doing any of the above, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've, I've hunted with Jay, you know, side by side, like, you know, he wanted to get into deer hunting last year, and I really enjoyed teaching him all the things that I know. Uh, there was a couple sits where, like, we were running and gunning during the rut, and, you know, showing him what to look for, you know, what I do, like, how I do things, why I do things, things like that, man, like, just being a mentor to him. And he's he's really grasped onto that, and I'm really looking forward to this season, too, because um, the godfather, uh, Scotty, uh Olson that I started paddling fin with always wanted to bow hunt and like I remember when I first met him that's when I was still bow hunting back in 2015 and uh he got super interested about it ended up buying a nice used bow went target shooting a couple times and uh he never went out hunting and this year he's actually like I'm ready dude like he had thought about doing it end of last season but he got it was like towards the end of the season where it was really tough and i'm like sure. dude, like let's start from scratch like beginning of next season um so not this weekend but i believe the following weekend we're gonna get out and, uh, uh you know do some hunting he's coming out for a rut hunt uh beginning in november and uh it could be a good time man i really enjoy that like you know, I was super fortunate that somebody had showed me the ropes and like, if I can keep carrying on that tradition, like, you know, you and I have always talked about, like, you know, I've, I got to give you all the credit in the world, dude. You've been my mentor for upland hunting and waterfowl hunting. And I've had a blast, like learning and doing it all, dude. Like, and that was the thing I know when I found out, like, you duck hunted and stuff. And I was like, really, you, you take me sometime? And you were like, yeah, sure, dude. You know? 
And I know we had talked about it last summer and you're like, yeah, come up for fall. And then like, I finally got my ass up there for fall. And like, dude, it was one of the coolest experiences that first duck hunt. Like it was crazy. I'm like, you know, we got set up and like, we ended up moving a half hour later. And I'm like, do you guys always do this? Like, this is kind of like weird. Like, you know, I'm a deer hunter. I'm not used to that, you know? And then just watching those birds work and things like that, dude, like that's what it's all about to me, dude. Like I could really care less if I shoot birds. Like that's the bonus part, right? Because if right. it's meat, oh, yeah. meat in the freezer, I love eating wild game, but like just seeing birds work and, and fly by. And it's the same thing too. Like I know when I was hunting private property that, you know, my folks lived on and I had permission um, on their neighbor's place too. Like, I couldn't even begin to tell you how many fork and six point bucks I passed. I passed a big 10 pointer. I have it all on film too. And like, <laughs> you know, I was trying to do that whole like QDMA thing, like quality deer management. And, um, it, it worked for the most part, dude. Like I, I shot a lot of solid deer. Like I think both of these, yeah, both of these deer, both of these deer came from out there, but you know, not giants by any means, but those like are, those are solid deer. I mean, nice that is solid a solid deer. right. Like, like good, good 110, 120, you know, like not Boone and Crockett material, dude, but like there was some other hunting pressure, and like this was a big deer for out there. Um sure. so you know, I kind of did that, and you know, as I've you know, harvested some of these bigger bucks. Like, like I told Jay, the beginning of this season, the first deer that walks in front of me is getting hurt. And you know, that's, <laughs> that's what happened. Like, you know, it, it's funny. I posted that picture of that doe on Facebook and I think it was Dwayne Wally from uh tourney X commented. And he was like, I thought I was the only one that shot does. And I'm like, no way, dude. Like that meat is tender. <laughs> like it puts, meat in my freezer like i'm i'll shoot a doe any day like right you know you got trophy hunters out there but at the same time dude like and that's that's a whole nother controversial issue that you can go down like you know you got your guys that go out and all they do is shoot shoot their bucks for the year and that's it they're not taking the does out of the herd things like that so then you get this crazy deer population where it's like you know 70% does and 30% bucks because you're not managing the, the, the herd the right way. Um, you know, that, that plays with genetics that does a lot of different things. Whereas, you know, me personally, man, like, and, and I'm, I'm happy to see that a lot of, uh, hunting type shows and stuff are showing that more because before it was like all killing big bucks now right. they're they're showing you like hey we're taking a couple does off this farm we got to manage it like told the property owner we would and this and that and like even the public land guys are shooting does like you know it's either you're shooting them at the beginning of the season or after the rut like you want right. the does around during the rut because that's your bait right again right. bucks got the little pink thing out running around <laughs> looking for love you know so that's your best source of bait right Right. Um, so if you find an area with a lot of does, obviously you're going to find a lot of bucks behind them. But, um, you know, that's, that's one thing, man. Like I, if I can preach anything is like, do your part, 
take a doe. Like there's a reason why when you buy your buck tag, they give you a doe tag. Like you should try to fill both or like in Illinois, we're allowed two bucks um, a year. So when you buy an either sex tag, you get a, a antlerless tag. So they sure. could count for a button buck or, you know, a buck that's dropped its antlers or whatever, but most guys aren't going to shoot those. But, you know, I plan, like if I shoot two bucks, I plan to do whatever I can to shoot two does as well. Right. Right. And in the state of Illinois, bow hunting, you can buy as many doe tags as you want, which is kind of cool. So if you're a guy that likes to fill your freezer full of meat, come to Illinois, buy as many <laughs> doe tags as you want, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know, man. And, and, you know, I got into deer hunting too, because the, the whole natural aspect of wild game, you know, my mentor, uh, Scotty purrs, his wife had, uh, had gotten breast cancer. Uh, she's been in remission for years, but when they had talked to the doctors and she was going through like treatments and stuff like that, you know, and they're, uh, they had asked, you know, what's the best thing we can do to like, you know, increase our chances. And the, the doctor told them, you know, eat as much wild game as you can. Scott was like, sweet. I can hunt and fish as much as I want now. <laughs> and that's how he got into it. Um, sure. which, which is a crazy story. Like, and he had a friend that showed him the ropes and you know again he passed those traditions on to me he's passed them on to his kids a couple other people i know and um you know the the big reason was is you know a lot of our beef pork chicken all that stuff is injected with hormones and antibiotics and stuff like that so that would have messed with her treatments sure um, so so eating wild game um you know you don't get that and right. uh, it's the purest form of meat you can get, you know. Not only that, I know where it came from, the woods where I shot it, you know. Right, right. Not you know some... exactly. You know what it's been chewing on. You know what it hasn't been chewing on. Yeah. I mean, you do to an extent. I don't right. know. I ha I haven't uh, field dressed a deer where a tire came out yet, but uh, <laughs> you know, not saying that that hasn't happened. But you know, but. Uh, at Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. You know, it's one of those things, man. One of those things. I'm sorry we got way off the topic there. <laughs> oh, it's all good. It's all good. We, we, we were talking about Onyx, and we got to that, you know? Yeah, so. that's that's how conversations work. That's the fun part about hunting, because like you like you touched on it, it's more than killing. And to me, I'm always yeah. chasing an, an experience. And the experience sure. to me is far – it's watching my dogs work. It's watching birds work decoys. It's watching a deer slowly step its way through the woods. I mean, it's sure. watching those squirrels that drive me insane gear up for winter time. It's, yep. it's all of it. It's not just one little piece. It's a huge puzzle. And like yeah. for deer hunting, it's a great way to reflect. Like when I'm deer hunting, cause it's so calm, it's so quiet. It's so it's, it's peaceful. It's like, I try to stay off my phone and all you're left with then is your thoughts. And it's a great yeah. way to try to reflect. Whereas like upland hunting and deer hunting or like upland hunting and like 
to me, like I do a lot of that solo, but it's so activity driven. Sure. Like it's a good way for me to lose myself in the woods rather than like deer hunting. I tend to say I find myself. Right? Sure, so, sure, like, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, it's I totally different. You're paying attention to the dog. You're looking for birds. You're making sure you're not going to trip over this branch and, you know, right? drop your gun and like all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally get where you're coming from there, dude. And I mentally need both. I mentally need that time in a tree stand to like reflect and find myself. But I absolutely need that. Like I need to get lost in the woods or lost on the water fishing where the only thing I'm focused on is what the task is for me to like get a mental break from like my high stressful job. Yeah, for sure, dude. I agree with that 100%. And I mean, it, it's, it's the thing too. Like every, I could probably go through and have a story for every deer i've ever harvest, harvested harvested right. you know like it's it's always a different unique experience like this buck right here dude good friend of mine jordan came up he has some uh private farmland that um he's part owner on from inheriting from his grandparents uh, the farm's still in the family so like he had invited me down there a few times to hunt and you know, obviously that's a few hour drive. Whereas where my old piece of property was, was in Huntley, which was like an hour drive. Um, sure. So I had invited him out and I'm like, dude, like, you know, I'm seeing a ton of deer moving. He, he hadn't shot a buck at that point. And I was like, dude, I got like 8 million six pointers, dude. Come like, you know, <laughs> just come shoot one. Like, right. you know, like the, and that's the thing too. Like we talk about trophy hunting, like, the trophy is in the eye of the beholder. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like I said, this is like a 120 inch deer. This to me was a trophy. Like I was super proud of this because I had watched this buck grow up. Like sure. from when he was a spike to what he is sitting here in skull form, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> um, you know, so and Jordan's a good friend of mine and I like, he is very, uh, ADD and he'll be the first to admit that and like he was squirreling around in his stand and this deer walked right past him and walked right towards where I was and I drilled him and you know he always claims that this was his deer and I'm like well you <laughs> didn't shoot him you were busy doing other things you know and uh you know so that's that's one thing too like this that other deer there, um, same piece of property, man, the, you know, was winding down the end of the season. And I, again, seen a bunch of six pointers and stuff like that. And that was the first eight pointer that came in. And, uh, sure enough, I shoot him, track him, and, uh, broken tine. And I'm like, all right, well, I got a seven pointer, you know, so I'm like, right. you know, whatever, but it was cool. I tracked that. That was, uh, that was the first buck I ever shot. Yeah, that's the first buck I ever shot. So, you know, uh, kind of cool. And uh, I think this guy was second. And then my third, the uh, taxidermist lost my head. So I don't have that one. So, no, I'm all too, too familiar with that story. The first buck I took with my bow, I went to drop off for a year amount and the taxidermist ghosted me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, lovely. Yeah, I think there was some confusion because the processor I use, which I love those guys, man. They do an awesome job. I'm not trying to say anything bad about them. 
that head got lost. It was a little bit smaller than this deer. No, it was probably about the same. It just didn't have the mass sure. on the main beams. Like this dude's got a really wide main beam here. It's almost like, you know, like a moose antler. Right, um, right. But, uh, you know, they lost a head and I was like, whatever, I got the meat. Like that's the most important part. Like, you know, could have been worse. But uh, yeah, so I think I'm actually going to turn this guy into my rattle rack. So. Oh, there you I, go. I might chop those horns off. Like that's what I've been contemplating. But uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things, man, like hunting, dude, stories, stories galore. Like I was telling Josh because his nickname's the Trash Panda, right? Uh, <laughs> another another name for a raccoon. Uh, Monday night I went up and I sat on a, a new piece of Wisconsin public land um, over by where we kind of scouted for uh, ducks beginning of the season. Um, forget the name of that river. But it was over off there and um, sitting in the tree stand. It's almost dark, dude. And it was so cool. I like hear something hopping in the woods. And I thought it was a rabbit because I had seen a rabbit over there earlier. And uh, it was a baby raccoon came out and like took a bath in this little puddle. <laughs> and like, you know, it was like shaking himself out and then got to watch him walk to the cornfield and you know, go for dinner. So like me and Josh were joking, you know, he's like, yeah, dude, he was getting all dialed up, taking his girl out for dinner, you know, <laughs> but it was a little baby raccoon and it was so cool just to watch that. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. You don't raccoon, see that anywhere else. Yeah. That raccoon had no idea. I was, you know, 15, 16 feet up in a tree watching them, but like just to see animals and how they act in their um, natural habit, dude, is it's just cool. You know, it's the same thing with deer. Like, you know, like I call it the uh, Muhammad Ali, like bob and weave, like float like a butterfly, sting like a bee when a doe like catches on that you're in an area and they try to catch you and they like stop and they do the stop like they're all pissed off. And then like they'll drop their head and like pop it back up real quick, like trying to catch you to move, like moving right. when their head's down. And then like I've seen them do the side to side weave as well, like trying to figure out <laughs> what you are like. That is one of the coolest things. Like, I don't care if I'm shooting that deer or not. Like, just to watch them do that so they can figure out, like, what is going on in front of them. Like, you know, their senses are kicked in. Like, they're not sure. Um, obviously, they're super cautious. They're dealing with, you know, natural predators out there. Right. You know, coyotes, right. stuff like that. So, and human is a natural predator. And, like just trying to like just to watch them do that like and i think i got some old video footage of that too where i was filming a guy up in a stand back in the day and uh it's just so cool to watch him do that you know or you know watch a buck make a scrape or rub a tree like the way they thrash their antlers around and stuff like that or you know like i remember the first time i was sitting in a tree stand it was actually up in wisconsin up in the oshkosh area where I had this little buck like tending a doe and he's just running around grunting. And that was the first time I actually heard a buck grunt in the wild. Okay. And like totally funny. He's just like dude was like ready to pop. He wanted that. You know what I mean? And like it was so cool because I'm like, dude, what is that sound? It sounds like a grunt, but that ain't a human making that. 
And then sure enough, he comes running under my tree, chasing a doe, like grunting like that. It was a little six pointer or four pointer, you know? And I'm like, Oh, they do sound like that. Like, <laughs> you know, it was kind of cool. Like, and that dude probably ran under my tree like six times. And I'm like, man, poor guy is just looking for some love and she just won't <laughs> give it to him, you know? So it, it's kind of cool, man. It's like all forms of hunting, you know, like, talked about watching ducks work you know right you know like that's so cool the way they circle and then they come into land like just totally awesome especially like when you're fooling them and they have no idea they're there and they're coming into the decoys and things like that you know the best is when they come into the decoys and you don't even see them coming you just hear them land and you're like really really (laughs) you know but where are they in like another cool experience dude hunting was like you know my first time hunting behind a dog with you last year and your dog dude like just watching her work the woods i thought that was the coolest thing ever dude like coolest thing ever and i keep telling my wife i'm gonna buy a hunting dog and she tells me to you know go get bent and you know (laughs) among other things and but uh you know it's just like dude like it's just so cool man because you're using one animal to find another animal and like the fact that a dog has that instinct to like track down like i saw um i think it was on bowhunting.com and um the one dude shot a deer and it was like obviously they had he had it all on video saw where the arrow went in it was a low shot but like all the blood and everything said it clipped along you know sure and uh they brought in um uh a tracker i forget the dude's name dude and like there was a few times where that dog had to stop and circle and circle and circle and then all of a sudden bam he'd pick up on that scent and they found that deer dude they found that deer um and and uh the guy todd graff he was like without this dog we would have never found this buck i would have right, never thought right. in a million years that this buck would end up where we found it and they kind of showed on the map like i think that thing went like it was like a half mile or something on his property or something like that or maybe a thousand yards i i forget what the exact number was but you know just seeing that dog work and and track an animal like that now you got to be conscious in some states you can't do that but you can uh, in wisconsin but they have to be on a leash yeah they got to be on a leash and you can't be carrying a bow or a firearm i believe too i think you are correct there yeah so and i think it's the same same exact scenario in illinois but uh yeah it's it's just so so cool man like animals are awesome and uh you know it's more than just harvesting the animal. There's just so much more that goes into it. You know, like I was telling somebody the other day, I'm like, you see so many birds that you don't necessarily see throughout the summer and stuff like cardinals and blue jays. And unfortunately woodpeckers like to like land in the tree, like (laughs) two trees over from me and like peck away and give me a headache. Like no matter where I am, Illinois, Wisconsin, like, I could be in the middle of a swamp and there's going to be a woodpecker that'll find the only tree in the middle of the swamp and like peck on it. And, uh, right. But it's cool to see those, those things out in the wild and like doing their thing, you know, um, it's just, just a unique experience. Agreed. 100%.
Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I'll give this next couple minutes to you. Shout out whoever you want to shout out. Tell all the good people how to find you. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows all my stuff. I mean, Instagram is uh, b.chiller underscore. b.chiller underscore. And then Brian Schiller on Facebook and uh, obviously Paddle and Finn. Um, you know, the one thing I will say, man, is, uh, if you're considering getting out there and like learning some form of hunting, like do it, um, reach out to folks like hunters are like 99.9% of all hunters, um, are the coolest people you'll ever meet and they will do whatever they can to, you know, show you the ropes and things like that. Um, if anybody's ever got any questions or looking for advice or, you know, uh, things like that, feel free to reach out to me. Um, you know, if, if it's deer hunting, I got a lot of experience in that. Um, Brad would be your waterfowl upland guy, but always willing know, to answer questions. Yeah. And I got a little bit of experience with that. Like I'll try to help if I can, but, um, Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just do it, man. Just do it. Like, don't wait. Like it's, it's one of those things you got to experience and, you know, hunting isn't for everybody. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, it's definitely something you got to experience at least once in your life. Um, you know, and, uh, don't think rifle hunting is as easy as it looks. So I'll leave you with that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I mean, it's, yeah, it's nice to it's nice to have the original on the show. It is. I yeah. mean, it was it was time to bring you on. You hadn't been on yet. Uh, well, we started out on 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 my show, so and right? then and, and then you branched probably, off. So it came full circle, dude. It's cool. That, I like it. That was probably right around a year ago now, to be honest. Yeah, because me and Jay started. Well, it was. Uh, it's almost a year. It's almost a year because I think it was like end of November, beginning of December. I think is when we started doing the uh, quote unquote hunt episodes. And, uh, you know, because I didn't like, I, I told like Jay had been drilling me with all these questions and like asked me about bow hunting. And I'm like, dude, I just need to get back out in the woods. Like I'll go hunt some public land. And I literally bought my tags like middle of the rut, like November 8th and right. shot a shot a deer November 8th and then the the buck the big buck on November 9th and then you know started duck hunting with you and all that stuff so kind of kind of got me back into it dude and I'm I'm super glad I did because it was something I was missing like don't get me wrong I love fishing fishing is one of my biggest passions but like having that hunting spark back in me dude is is kind of brought me back to life a little bit so there's something special about it. I mean, fishing is great. I love yeah. fishing. Me per like with the with me having the dog though. Yeah. I love it for these two months, three months every year. Yeah, dude. If I it. if I had Pippa, your dog, dude, I'd be I <laughs> I wouldn't even be recording this podcast right now. I'd be out running her right now, looking for some woodcocks or something, you know. 
Because pheasant pheasant opens Saturday. I'm Saturday about, up here. That's correct. I'm thinking about uh, taking a stroll in the uh, field Saturday afternoon after deer hunt. There so you go. We'll see. We'll see. But... Right on, dude. Well, thanks yeah. for having me, dude. And uh, look forward to it, man. Good job yeah. as always. Absolutely. As always, I appreciate everyone who who tuned in this week. And until next time. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button, and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.